This is Adventist World Radio Ghana, Voice of Hope. It's time for that segment, The Heart of the Church. Hello, our wonderful friend. Welcome once again to your program, The Heart of the Church, where we study God's Word and try to live by it. We are so glad to have you here. And then we have our friends also here who will help us expound God's Word. They are Gloria Osaibafo. Franco Pokoboy. Thank you so much for coming every time to help us. My name is Emmanuel Lai, your host. Today we're looking at the topic, the historical Jesus. So we're looking at the historical Jesus and we know events of Jesus' life, but we want to see maybe the last part of it where it's also documented to see how the Bible has been has been truthful once again. And we see from Matthew chapter 26, 57 to 67, also recorded in John uh, the account where Cyphas, okay, or Caiaphas, as people say, uh, played a role in Jesus's death. We also want to see that of Pontius Pilate. He also played a role in Jesus's death. Now let's put these together and see how historically we have these facts also documented. Uh, I'll ask if we can start with Gloria. Yes, uh, from the biblical account, Caiaphas was the high priest then, and he instigated masterminded the death of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ. And there is evidence to support this in recent times that he was indeed the high priest as at that time. Per the records of Josephus, um, a Jewish historian, that we are told that it is recorded, besides which I quote, besides which he also deprived Joseph, who was also called Caiaphas, of the high priesthood and appointed Jonathan, the son of Ananus, the former high priest, to succeed him. So from Joseph, from Joseph's complete works, 1969, chapter 4, page 381. So there's a record from this historian, uh, this Jewish historian of on Caiaphas as the high priest during that time. So the Bible mentions it and a historian mentions it. Interesting. Let's go on to uh, see what about Pontius Pilate also. Pontius Pilate was also one of the emperors. Now we see him being identified that he lived in the era of Tiberius. Now there is this stone which has been found in Caesarea Martina which has his inscription on it. So then the question is if he did not live how can we have these archaeological findings about him? So all these are pointing to the fact that the record that the scripture has, it really happened here on earth. So it's factual. Yes, Bible factual. has spoken, but we also seen it in um, in in how do you call it archaeology, archaeology and even history, historical yes. facts. Because Josephus was a historian and he wrote on these things. We'll and continue even there some are more. discoveries of Caiaphas's son, uh, yes. Joseph that box of bones has been discovered with coins and the inscriptions on it all point to uh, him. So, scripture is being confirmed in these archaeological findings again. Interesting. Both scripture, history, archaeology all confirms that Jesus Christ actually lived 
on this. And then that's what we are trying to see, whether the Bible has been accurate in giving us a record of Jesus Christ on earth. So I think maybe what we need to uh, look at finally is that um, it's always nice to have such evidence, uh, okay, uh, Frank, to support our faith. But then even without those evidences, we don't want to depend on them so much. Can we still see the Bible as factual? I mean, these stories were what actually happened. Yeah, you see, we are looking at the historical Jesus, but there are some other issues that surrounded Jesus Christ. Those ones prove the existence of Jesus Christ. Then again, we have to also understand that we need some of these things to help us understand more the scripture, especially when we are trying to do the interpretation. But we should be careful not to place total reliance on these things because if you are not careful, we may make some of these materials take the place of the scripture, which is very, very dangerous. Our faith is built on the words or the assurances in the scripture. Those assurances are not found in these archaeological materials, historical materials and the rest, but rather it is in the scripture. So yes, we can let these documentations help us to get more motivated to keep on waiting for Jesus Christ. But then there is no reliance on these materials. So we shouldn't rely on them as if they were uh, inspired. Just that the scripture is is what is pointing out to Christ. They actually tell us the scripture story is true, but as aside that, the scripture is inspired for our own well-being. And our dear listener, as we are going to the scripture, we want you to understand that the scripture and the scripture alone is what you need to use to understand some of some of these things that have been said before us. Unfortunately, our time is already up. We'll be coming your way again tomorrow to look at the basis of faith and history. A very important topic because sometimes we look at everything and we see we only have to have faith and understand God's word. Uh, we'll let our brother Frank pray with us as we sign off. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are always with us in our study. All that we ask that continue to give us your blessing of understanding. Continue to give us your blessing of the Holy Spirit and continue to give us your blessing of insight in your word. Above all, let us do the, be the doers of your words so that you will write our names in the book of life. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. As I just said, we'll be looking at faith and history tomorrow. Be part of it and it will surely bless you. Until then, stay blessed. Hello, my dear friend and listener. I want to welcome you to Adventist World Radio. The name of the program is Law Matters, and this is the very maiden edition. There are matters of the law that needs discussion, and indeed the law matters. And that is why this program has been brought for you to, to be able to answer all your questions. Today, I'm privileged to have a practicing lawyer and a Christian for that matter um, as our guest. He'll help us answer most of our questions. My name, again, is David Amankwa AJ. Lawyer, could you please introduce yourself, mention and introduce yourself to the audience? Thank you very much. My name is Lawyer Clement Mafu, a practicing lawyer. Okay. I'm, I'm sure lawyer can tell us a bit more about himself. Is lawyer married? Yes, lawyer is married with one kid. 
And how long has Lawyer been practicing? Lawyer has been practicing for the past seven years and still practicing. Oh wow, that's good. Um, how do you find the, the law practice? You see, in Africa, everything is normal. So I can say practicing law in Africa is also normal. Okay, very well then. Lawyer, let's radically to our topic. You know, the topic for today, as I said, is we just want to look at um, general, uh, the general introduction of, of law. What is law? We talk about law. What is law? Thank you very much. You see, in simple put, law is the rules and regulations put together by a given community backed by authority to govern the said community so that there will be peace and order in the community. I would like to extend it by saying that uh, communities are different. You have community, community, community there. So each community has gotten its own law. Okay. So the laws of South Africa might be different from the laws of Botswana. Okay. That of Nigeria will be different from Singapore. So each community has gotten its own law. So in law terms, you normally see every jurisdiction has gotten its own law. That is, every community has gotten its own law. Well, yeah, my, my listeners do want to understand that jurisdiction. What is that? Jurisdiction is a tailored community, a geographical area zoned in by our own geographers. Okay. So when you take um, Benin, for instance, any town or city beyond Benin that's not form part of the jurisdiction of Benin. Okay, okay. That is how it is. Okay. So, well, thank you. Lawyer, the next question I would want to ask is that you gave us a general introduction of the law. Um, does the Bible also define law? You see, as a Christian, the first thing you have to understand is that before you became a Christian, you knew or you ought to have known that there was a law. Basically, when you read Exodus, you know the Ten Commandments. You see, um, we Christians normally call it the commandments, but obviously when you come down, those are the laws of God given to mankind to pave way for us to know what to do right and what to do wrong. So ideally, as a Christian, you can say the laws of a Christian are the Ten Commandments in the Bible. Okay. So if I'm getting you right, then... Um, you're trying to say that there's a link between the laws of the society and that of the Bible? Is that Ob what you're saying? Obviously, obviously. You see, as I indicated earlier on, if you're a Christian, then the belief is that a Christian community, a Christian kingdom, people who are going to heaven, they must be guided by certain rules and regulations. And as we saw earlier on, the combination of these rules and regulations backed by authority gives us the law. And therefore, God has given us the Ten Commandments to also guide us towards our journey to heaven. And therefore, uh, the, the laws for the Christians, those wanting to go to heaven, the children of God is there. Then we in our various societies to have our own laws that also govern us to, to live in a peaceful you know, environment. Well, yeah, I've, I've heard someone say that... Um Almost all the laws of the country are embedded or have their roots from the Bible. How true is that statement? The person is not far from right. To the extent that almost all laws worldwide have some link 
to that of the term commandment. Whether or not the country is a Christian country, a Muslim country, a theist country, it is clear that there are laws emanated from that of the Ten Commandments, or what you could say the natural law, what God gave to mankind. And that is where we also derived our various laws from. Okay, thank you, lawyer. Um, I want to ask this. As a Christian and as a lawyer, do you think the law is relevant? Uh, I think I have to take this opportunity to clarify certain things in the minds of, excuse my language, non-lawyers. In that, m there are most people who think that if you're a lawyer, uh, you, 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 you lie, you don't, you don't always tell the truth, you, you don't do the right thing so far as the, the Christian life is concerned. And therefore, they see lawyers, if some Christians see lawyers as, as uh, diabolic people who try to you know, get money by telling lies. The most important thing that we need to know is that lawyers practice a certain law that is written and all citizens in the certain community or the given community should abide by same. And therefore, no lawyer will go beyond those laws written in the books for them to practice with. Okay, lawyer, I think I will come to that part. But for now, I want us to look at generally the importance of law. Now you have, you have told us, you have educated us on, the, on what, what, what is law. Before we go to the importance, I want us to look at this. Um, what is not law? You've told us what law is. So what is not law? Can I, you mentioned uh, something that um, a law should be backed by authority and that. So I cannot, it means I cannot just sit at my, one, my corner and then decide or bring us something and decide that it is law. So then, I want, to, I want you to educate us on what is not law. You see, um, you can only say something is not law when that particular thing is emanated from a single individual or a certain society or a certain group of people but cannot be found in the law books by which um, the community or the jurisdiction or the society is asking us to follow. There are so many people in their various homes who create their own laws. This is my law. You shouldn't go beyond it. This is my law. You have to follow it. If you have your so-called law, and that law can never be seen in any law book, and it is not backed by any authority, then you cannot sit in your home alone and say that this is your law and somebody has to follow. That is why I was saying that even if you go to the Bible, the, we have the ten rigid commandments that we need to follow. Okay. There are so many practices and doctrines and um, divine directions in various communities, various churches that certain Christian societies follow. Okay. However, rigidly, you could see that those things cannot be found in the Ten Commandments. Sure. And therefore, if you go against those things, it does not rock the foundation of your religious community or your church. And at times, the, the society or the group of people leading the said church will not even punish you or they will tell you it is not punishable. However, if you go beyond any of the Ten Commandments, in as much as the church community knows that it is punishable by law, you also know that God will punish you one day if you don't stop. Okay. So those ones are laws and you cannot go by them. Go beyond them. However, other sayings that people say, either for their own betterment or whatever, thinking that their laws are not laws. Very well, lawyer. 
I also want to ask this. Could you pinpoint some of the relevance if I decide to be, be a lawful citizen or the law in general, what are the benefits it gives to the members of the society? What, are the rele what is the relevance? What are the importance of the law itself? You see, as Christians, what we have to understand is that even in the holy books, God himself said, if you love me, Obey my commandment. Yeah. And therefore, if you're a good citizen, you don't want any problem, you don't want any um, issues before the court, then just abide by the laws of the country. And nobody will arrest you, no police will come to you, nobody will do anything to you. So you just abide by the laws of the country. That's what you have to do. Okay, okay, okay. Wow. Does the law fail sometimes? Does the law fail sometimes? Fails. Does it fail? I don't know where you are coming from, but... Uh, okay, let, 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 let me put it this way. It is alleged that in, in our jurisdiction, or in, in, the, in, where, in the, the side of the world that we find ourselves, the law mostly favors the rich. How accurate is that statement? You see, as a lawyer, until somebody proves otherwise, or proves same, I would never agree with whoever says that the law, as it were, Favors the rich. No, yeah, have you have you heard that statement before? Have you heard people say, saying that? I have been hearing the, them these comments when I was not a lawyer. However, when I came into this association, the bar association, I realized that it is because we didn't know that we were saying that. Okay. In fact, the law does not favor the rich. It is only when you choose and decide not to follow your matter or take the law and you decide to give everything to God, you may think the law favors the rich. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. But the people have been make, uh, complaining that at the very moment that you need the law to come to your aid, you, you find that, I mean, uh, what, what is said or what is in the books is not what is being practiced. That is what I was telling you. You see, when you are not in the association, obviously you may think same, especially when you have brothers, early brothers and other people who are advising you and you also trust them, you believe in them and whatever they say you believe, you may think so. However, if you come into the association, you realize that indeed and in fact, the law does not favor the rich, but the law is there for all of us to make use of same, except that there are instances where people decide not to even go by the law. They will just give everything to God in praise. And therefore, they think the law favors the rich. Okay. Okay, so would you advise that someone goes that tangent, give everything to God, or let the law take its course? You see, as Christians, uh, we also read from the Bible that vengeance. It's of the Lord. You understand? So if you have that zeal and that power, that will, and you, you think that vengeance is of the Lord, you can still forgo the law and give everything into God in praise. And God will also hear your prayer and listen to you. Well, okay. Let's assume that someone is listening to us. Um, the person has lost confidence in the law. Probably the person has gone to court and then in the mind of the person, he could have won. But due to, you know, one of those things that we say, because the person didn't have money or, the, or something of that sort, the person lost. And, the, and for that matter, the person has lost confidence in the law. What advice would you give to such a person? You see, the, the advice would be enormous. But I would say that there should be 
education as it were law education to our society our groups our department wherever we may find ourselves uh, even if it takes information centers in our various uh, communities we should edu educate people to understand why you should go to court or, or why you should not go to court why certain things you have to leave it upon the lord or you take it up you see um it is very unfortunate that the law or going to court demands a lot not even the money alone your time and other logistics so if you don't have that financial muscle if you don't have that capacity and the other party has those capacities and go to court and wins you may think that the law favors the riches that is not the case it is because you were not prepared enough to pay all the logistics and hire a lawyer and maybe go to court so um we need education as it were. We need education, form groups, allow lawyers to teach us so that we know I might have win, but because of this, I won't go to court. You understand it yourself. Rather than saying that um, the law favors the riches, it doesn't. But we need education. Maybe we mobilize ourselves in groups, in societies, in various churches, in our communities, communities. Then we maybe hire a lawyer to give us a talk as it were so that we know what to do and what not to do. Yeah, from, from the angle you are coming, it appears, even though you may have a good case, but because you don't have the, 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 what it takes or maybe the financial muscle to be able to hire a lawyer and do all those things, you are, you are sure of losing? Oh, yes, that is what I said. You see, when you have a case, there are so many jurisdictions, the, the minimum time that a case may even end will take about two, three years. So if you don't have those money to follow these cases for more than a two or three years, Obviously, you, you end up losing or that's, giving up. That's a sad situation. I have a good. I don't know, you know, other agencies that can assist. If let's say I have a good case, I have a very, I mean, as, as they say, fine case. But then I don't have the muscle, you know, I have the finances to be able to go through. I don't know agencies who can offer the legal certificate of charge to, for me or something of that sort. You see, in law, we have what you call ADL. ADL simply means alternative dispute resolution okay. it's also a quasar you know something that settle matters but you see trust is something that most of us have lost in people and going to adr and seeing how flexible the adr will be as compared to the law court okay. uh, but you may think that after all these people they will, they will even they will not be on my side and they will talk for the other party and so they also lose you understand so adr is there other um, quasi associations like arbitration, mediation, they are all there. However, the onus of the matter is the court because the trust is not there in the ADL or the arbitration or the mediation. And therefore, people resort, their final resort will be the court where they also think it's very expensive and they, they, they cannot afford. Other than that, you can go to ADL, you can go to mediation or arbitration. They are all there to, you know, solve problems. But the court becomes the supremo. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, I think we are, we are run out of time, but I have, a, I have one very last question I want to ask. People say that the law is in the bosom of the judge. How true or otherwise is that statement? The law, me as a lawyer will say, is the discretion of the judge, but not the bosom of the judge. Uh, there are situations where the judge has, the law has given power to the judge to use his own discretion. Okay. But the law is in the bosom of the society, of the, 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 the country. 
it cannot be in the bosom of the judge only. So that but statement is not correct. Yeah. The, the discretion is in the judge, but the law is for the whole country. Wow. The, the, the judge has his discretion. Wow. And wow. That, that paves way for appeal, as it were. So in as much as the judge has his own discretion, the law also goes ahead to state that that discretion must be used judiciously. And therefore, okay. if you think at the end of the day, the, the judge used his discretion, but he did not use that discretion judiciously, you can appeal. You can appeal to the, uh, another superior court for your case to be heard once again. Okay, okay, okay. But yeah, thank you very much. Listeners, I believe you have been educated. I've also been educated. The program is Law Matters. Um, we thank you for having time to listen to us. We believe that your questions are answered. Until we come your way uh, same, same time next week, stay blessed. We would like to hear from you. So call us on the number plus 233-5015-61849. Plus 233-5015-61849. You can also email us at the address Adventist World Radio GH at gmail.com. Adventist World Radio GH at gmail.com. You can also write a letter to us using the postal address Adventist World Radio Ghana, Northern Ghana Union Mission of Adventists, P.O. Box KS 17564, Edum Kumase, Ghana, West Africa. For AWR Ghana, I am Bell. May God bless you. A-W-R Ghana Voice of Hope Voice of Hope